We are thrilled to have with us today actor Sean Patrick Flannery. His credits include The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, Powder, The Boondock Saints, and The Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day. All right, welcome to the studio, welcome, Sean. Sean. Thanks very much. Good to be here. Absolutely. Good to have you. If you would like to participate in today's show or future shows, you can reach us through twitter.com slash filmcourage or through email, filmcourage at gmail.com. I would like to participate. Were you, okay. were you not talking to me? Well, no, that's all right. <laughs> oh, okay. We're ready to participate with you right, <laughs> right now. Here we go. All right. All right. So, John, let's let's start out at the very beginning. Take us back. So, where did you grow up, and uh, how did you become interested in acting? Uh, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, okay. you know, a tiny little town in Louisiana. Um, then my folks moved uh, with me, of course. They didn't leave me behind at <laughs> four years old. Uh, we went to a little town outside of Houston in Texas, and uh, I grew up there. You know, pretty normal upbringing, have wonderful parents. Uh, there's no none of this artist like, oh, I, I owe my craft for the turmoil that was my youth. No, no crap like that, you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I have wonderful parents, had a wonderful childhood. Uh, both my parents went to every sporting event I ever competed in. Okay. Um, what kind of sports? Uh, every, everything except, obviously, it's Texas, so no ice hockey. You know? Okay. <clears throat> uh, no basketball, ice hockey, actually, or baseball. Okay. Um, yeah, big, big, big bit of controversy here, but anything that you can play an entire game mm-hmm. uh, during chew tobacco and not break a sweat, to me, is not really a sport. <laughs> I'm going to offend so many people by talking about baseball like that, but uh-huh. if you can be fat and not break a sweat and play an entire game in it, mm-hmm. eh, doesn't really interest me too much but uh you know so everything everything other than that other than that yeah gotcha. and then how do how do you become interested in acting where does how does that begin you know i was going to university of st thomas and uh uh i saw a girl leaving a building on a monday and i wanted to know what the hell was going on in that building <laughs> that interested her and that's a true story actually i know it sounds absurd and ridiculous but uh so i dropped an english class i signed up for uh it happened to be acting and i fell in love with acting uh, my my uh, uh, the, the drama teacher was Sam Havens, a wonderful uh, theater director, producer, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started uh, doing plays, you know, you know, all around Houston and whatnot. And and at the end, I decided I was gonna when I graduated, I was gonna pack up my car and move out and uh, you know do do some uh, theater out in L.A. Mm-hmm. So is it is it fate? Is it destiny? I mean that, that's that's pretty wild. That, you know, and, and did you get a chance to actually speak to that girl? Yeah. Did anything happen with yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She ended up being a fruitcake. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I I dug uh, acting. You know. Okay, guys like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, not this level of fruitcake. Oh, okay. This is a different level altogether. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is turbocharged fruitcake. Uh, no, but but uh, you know, uh, for whatever reason, it kind of brought me into that building. Fell in love with it, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I I decided I wanted to. You know, do something with it. It, it. I had a ball doing it, and I thought, man, if you know, I, it, it was never in my wildest dreams to become a working actor per se, because that seemed more like a lottery win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that I could make money in the industry, whether it was uh, saving up my money, producing my own play, renting out my own playhouse, and writing my own piece, and doing it that doing it that way. I, I would have been content with that. But I got an agent, and she was like, you know, let me submit you for some commercials. I said, ah, what the hell, you know, let's check it out. And I got a couple commercials, you know, which was a, a little mini lottery win for me, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she said, you know, why don't we see if we can submit you on some theatrical stuff? I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Meanwhile, I'm still, you know, writing and working towards uh, theater production. And then I got some acting roles, you know, outside of commercials, some real ones. And then the next thing, you know, I was auditioning for Young Indiana Jones. So it was, it just kind of happened, you know. It's, wow. uh, you know, and, and I thought it was wonderful. It was great. 
Kind of right away, I mean, did you go through the typical, you know, couch surfing, eating ramen noodles, all that, or did you just, you, things just kind of just fell into place? Yeah, no, you know, I, I, I never really understood the couch, couch surfing ramen noodle <laughs> thing. I mean, I mean, whether I'm an actor or not, I mean, I was waiting tables and I was wait, making good money. I mean, yeah. for a single dude, I made, mm -hmm. I, when I left Houston, I came out here and waited tables and I realized, man. I could like raise a family on this kind of money. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, 300 bucks a night cash. Uh, you know, I, I was making, you know, six, seven thousand bucks a month with not no bills. You know, so so really, I mean, I was working a lot of hours, but uh, I was never the kind of guy that's like, I'm not gonna work. I'm I'm gonna wait to make it in in my craft. I'm I was gonna take care of myself regardless. So uh, you know, I I I I definitely wasn't you know, struggling uh, right. too much financially because of just waiting tables, hard work. Right, yeah, it pays so, well. So, you, you know, so you move from 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 the Texas to Los Angeles, you know, and, and you're going to take your shot at acting. Can you go into a little bit more detail about these early days in terms of your mindset in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, L.A. was, LA was a, you know, it's a brand new uh, frontier for me, you know. I mean, you hear all the stories, but... Uh, uh, it's it's exactly what people said, you know. When uh, uh, right right now, you know, occasionally, you know, a, a, a somebody younger will say, you know, what's the best advice you can give? And I say, well, you know, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that your first job, you would have paid to do. Hmm. For example, if Scorsese came and said, you know, uh, I'm going to put you in this movie, but you got to pay me five grand, you would find five grand. Mm -hmm. You would call everybody you know, and you would get sponsors. You'd come up with five Gs. It's the only job I know that's like that. I mean, you find me a ditch digger and ask him, you know, your first di ditch you dug, would you pay it to do it? They'd, they'd laugh at you. You would fuck no, I wouldn't pay to do this. You gotta pay me for the first one. You gotta pay me for the first shovel that hits the dirt Absolutely. for me to dig a ditch or any other occupation for that matter. This is the only job where you'd pay the first year to do it. Right. And uh, people forget that. You know, cut to six years later, they're on a show, they're not coming out of their trailer, they're angry, they're bitter, they're resentful for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I just tell them to not, don't forget that, you know, because it's a. Uh, I mean, we're lucky to truly be doing something. It, it, it's, you know, like your dad always said, you know, if you do something you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life, mm -hmm. you know, probably 0.01% of the people actually find something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're really lucky to be doing, you know, people pay us to do this, and it's really just kind of, we're, we're faking it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just that. That's the best advice I can give. And you've had to deal with various levels of fame. Is being famous something that you've craved? I mean, did it have anything to do with you pursuing acting? What are your thoughts on fame? Um, you know, I, I really can't answer that with any degree of knowledge because I, I've never really experienced it. I, I mean, people, I, I did Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but maybe you and three other people saw it. So, so I mean, it's something I'm incredibly proud of, but right, right. it's not anything that I'd walk down the street and people go, oh my God, you, you're Young Indy. Um, powder, nobody, nobody really knows that I did that until, you know, six months after I've met him. And then somebody says, ah, did you ever see that movie he did? And they're like, what? What are you talking about? You know, so it's not like I get recognized. It's occasionally somebody will be like, wow, you look like the guy that did such and such. Do you, did you get that a lot? And I'll be like, yeah, I, I, I do get that a lot. Ah, yeah, yeah, cool. All right, take care. You know, they, 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 they never ask. It was really me. Uh -huh. So I, I have no idea. Um, I, having said that, I wouldn't trade my anonymity for anything. Okay. I think anonymity allows you to be a real human being. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go into a restaurant and somebody gives me crap service, I can go, excuse me, asked you five times. You know, and I, I was a waiter and I was very good at it. Uh -huh. So it's the fifth time I've asked you if, if I could mm -hmm. just have water, just some water. Right. You know, I can do that without being that actor that like came in and complained. You right, know, uh -huh. if Tom Cruise does, somebody go, oh, Tom Cruise on table five was like yelling at people because he didn't have some water. <laughs> right. Actually, there's a website I think 
that like outs people like that are in restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it allows you to just be a normal person, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and how how long was it before you got you got your big break? Before before you know things started to where you could just lean on acting, where you could get out of the out of waiting tables and and just kind of only do acting. You know, pretty much every everything. I mean, if you're just speaking financially, where where you don't have to do anything to subsidize it, yeah. uh, it would be. Uh, it, it it it's 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 very subjective because for me everyone was a big break. Yeah. I mean, could I have lived the year off the first commercial I did? Yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not one of those guys that quit waiting tables until I had something that occupied so much time I couldn't wait tables. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had friends that were waiting tables that they'd get one episode of something they'd quit, and then six months later they they came back to waiting tables. I never wanted to be that guy that exactly. came back to the restaurant, you know. So, uh, I mean, when I left to go do Young Indy, I had three national commercials running. I did wow. two little things for Walt Disney Channel. Um, I, I certainly could have lived for a couple of years on that alone. But mm-hmm. I was never going to be that dude that, like, cashed out too early and thought he had made it, you know. So I, I, I quit, uh, I think, four days before I got on a plane to go to London to start doing Young Indy. Now, you've done countless interviews in your career. Does it get tiring? Um, it gets tiring when people ask the same question over and over again, but, uh, <laughs> oh, no. you know, I, I mean, this is pretty organic, so we're just uh-huh. chatting, so I, you know, I, I, I dig this, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, 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 the typical question over and over again, you, you try to make it sound like it's the first time you've answered it, but sometimes it right. comes off like, wow, this guy's said this 96 times, you know. <laughs> right, no, I, I, I then, get tired of hearing myself. And, and why, why are you doing interviews such as, you know, or why are doing interviews such as this one important? What, what are the benefits to you? What, what do you get out of these? Uh, well, I, I mean, you know, I have a movie coming out right now. Uh, certainly uh, myself and everybody in production involved would like people to go and see the film. Um, it's an independent film, so it's not going to get as much advertising coverage. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be on you know every commercial break. It's not going to be on every billboard. So, you know, the requirement for the actors is much higher than, you know, a bigger film. We have to go out there and do interviews and let people know that it's coming out because there's a lot of fans that uh, are still asking me, for example, like, ah, when are you guys going to make Boondock 2? Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, well, it, we actually did, and it's coming out in three weeks, <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> so you've had people even up even yeah, just the other yeah. day or just recently that are that are asking you about yeah, this film. Yeah, of course, you know, people people still uh, on the interwebs they'll ask a question exactly like that. You know, mm-hmm. I heard that y'all are gonna make All Saints Day. When's that? Is that gonna reach fruition? Uh, actually, it did, mm-hmm. and uh, we've already completed it, locked picture and sound, and it's gonna be coming to theaters in three weeks. So let's go back to the actor thing. It's, you know, thousands of people come here every day and with the dream of, you know, breaking into TV, film, whatever. What do you think has enabled you to succeed? I mean, what separates you from those that haven't made it? Uh, I think realistically it's like anything in life. I think you have to properly assess your ability. Mm-hmm. I think people that miscalculate and mis, uh, misinterpret what they have in any certain field. There's a big difference between wanting to do something and being able to do something. And you really have to check your ego at the door to say, am I going to be competitive with this cross-section of talent? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, a lot of times you watch some of the reality shows today and it's just ever-present. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch American Idol and some of these people truly believe that they can sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look in their eyes and they truly believe. Mm-hmm. They're dumbfounded why they didn't make it past the first round. And the whole audience is like, oh, my God, you can't carry a tune, not one tune. I think you have to properly assess. You have to be honest with yourself and say, I can be competitive with this cross-section. And uh, if you're fairly accurate to that mark, I think you have a good shot. You know, And that goes with any field. You know, mm-hmm. 
certainly you're not there, there's not a lot of people that want to be uh, you know fluid dynamics uh, engineers that can't uh, you know do do mathematics you know they can't write an algorithm certainly that's a prerequisite you have to be honest with yourself and your professor's going to tell you you know you don't need to know string theory but you need to know fundamentals of math right. you know Absolutely. So maybe Simon Cowell isn't as bad as he's, he's saving people time. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it really is. In this industry, it's a harsh reality. Uh -huh. You know, you need to let somebody know. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it may be unfortunate, but realistically, what would you rather? Would you rather somebody go, oh, you know, keep at it. Keep trying. Somebody that's like sounds like a dog dying? Really? Or do you want somebody that may, may hurt their feelings for a day, mm -hmm. but at least they're going to pursue something that they can actually achieve something in? Cut their losses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Simon Cowell, yeah, I mean, he cuts to the point, but I'd rather somebody say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I sucked ass at something, I'd want somebody to say, you know what, realistically, it's not going to happen for you in this field. Mm -hmm. Save me time and let me pursue something else. So you did know? you have those people early on for you that, that helped you kind of assess yourself and evaluate yourself? Um, you know, like, what, what was it about you that said that, that you, where you had that belief where I, I can do this? You know, having said exactly what I just now said, yeah. I fall into that category where I just think I had a more accurate beat on it. Because I certainly did think, I could do this. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know to what level. But when I see people on the screen, I'm like, I can do it at this level. Maybe it's not the premier level, but it's something that gets aired. You know, having said that, it's, uh, you know, somebody could have looked at me and said, wow, that kid's delusional. You know, <laughs> but uh, I... I I put myself in a peer group, and that peer group, you know, we're, we're making commercials. That peer group w was was being employed in, you know, basic level television stuff. And I thought, ah, uh, you know, if uh, somebody, if, if an agent, a reputable agent pursues me and said, we want to submit you on these things, I thought, wow, well, this reputable agent has a number of clients. Mm -hmm. They're working, and they think I should? Well, that's the first little you know, thing to check off on your list. It's not me thinking I can do it. It's somebody that pursued me because, you know, I came out to produce plays, so... When I said that, I thought, ah, I'll give it a shot. How do you go about building your fan base? I mean, is this something that you consciously do? Uh, How do you build your network? You call Wendy Shepard at Studio <laughs> Matrix or right? officially plugged in. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Uh, I have no clue. Um, you know, when, when I first stepped up with Wendy, uh, you know, I mean, she would say things like, well, you know, you have to do this on Facebook, and you have to do this on MySpace, and then you should really tweet her about this, and and on your website, you should be like, whoa, 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 whoa I, 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 I have none of those, none of the above. Mm -hmm. You know, and she was kind of dumbfounded, and, and uh you know, she said, well, how do you interact with fans? Or I, I said, I, you know, smoke signals? I don't know. I give up. Uh, <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> and, you know, she put together my website for me. She put together the MySpace page and the Facebook. And as nonsensical as a lot of it sounds, it's mm -hmm. imperative if you want to be communicative with your fan base. You really, you really have to have these things. Um, and lo and behold, I have a huge number of fans that want to communicate and there's pertinent information, things that help me out in my career, things likes, dislikes. Um, it's 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 a crucial tool in today's market. Um, but before I met her, I just kind of went from acting job to acting job and I had a ball doing it, but I had no idea the likes, dislikes and the fans really love that interaction. They really mm -hmm. do. I mean it's monumental to them, you know, and quite honestly I enjoy it as well. You know, but it's all Wendy Shepard. She put it all together. I mean, she's a specialist in, you know, driving traffic to the website mm -hmm. and how to promote this. And uh, so, you know, if anybody has any questions, Wendy Shepard at uh, officiallypluggedin.com uh, or Studio Matrix, you know, th th that's I, I can't recommend anybody more highly. That's awesome. Now, in terms of the young actor listening right now, 
um, you know, how, how imperative do you think it is for them in terms of what should they be focused on? Should they be focused on on, on the craft of acting, the training, you know, or do you think they should begin to incorporate, you know, building a little bit of a fan base at the same time? You know, has, has the game changed? Uh, you know, it depends on what you want to do. You know, if yeah. you want to be a serious actor, uh, I, I may be the wrong guy to start talking about craft too, yeah. because uh, uh, I'm not a big, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, I'm not a big acting class kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my research, oddly enough, you know, so many people say to me, you know, like, wow, what was your, what was your, uh, what did you go through, you know, researching your role for powder? What was your process, internal <laughs> and external? I'm like, brother, my process started on page one and ended it fade out. Mm-hmm. Every bit of information that I need to do a movie is in the script. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to live on the street for six weeks and pee in my own clothes to know what it's like to be homeless. I can kind of imagine what it'd be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may be the wrong guy to ask. It's a, it's a, a simple job. Not a lot of people can do it well. But having said that, you're never going to find somebody that cannot act at all and they go to school for two years and then suddenly they can't. You're never going to find that person. There's a reason that all good acting schools audition to get in. Mm-hmm. They audition to get in. You know, the actor studio, they, 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 they had Paul Newman. Well, fucking Paul Newman was Paul Newman the first day he showed up there. Motherfucker was Paul Newman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. You show me, you show me some, you know, inept chachi that ends up being Paul Newman, and I'll shut up. You know, but all these guys were were working actors the day they walked in to the actor studio or whatever, or, or whoever Howard Fine or Chachi Sinclair, whoever that's that's in L.A. You know, charging people a grand a month to learn how to act. I've never once in my life, and I've been doing this 20 years, mm-hmm. found somebody that couldn't act. But then went to school and came out being a great actor. Never, never. There's tricks that you can learn with the camera, mm-hmm. um, but but those are technical. It's all technical. You can either deliver a realistic line reading or you can't. Period. So you need almost a level of intuition. So yeah, it's you just do. Innate. Yeah, it's innate. To. It's something mm-hmm. you're born with. And and I'm not saying I'm great at it, but uh, but uh, there there are people at very different levels. But some people, I don't care what you do, they just they they cannot. Some people aren't even believable as themselves. I mean, some people, like when you're talking to them, you're like, wow, if we were filming this, you'd, you'd come off as a bad actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people are like that. And no offense, they're, they're probably great at a number of things that I suck at. Um, or, or other people may be great at or, or suck at some things. But it's just not something that you can teach somebody mm-hmm. to be relaxed. And it, it, you can't teach somebody to get over stage fright. You can teach someone to compartmentalize and to minimize. You know, it's just things that you either have or you don't have. Mm-hmm. And no, 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 you know, inward reflection is going to go around that. So, you know, in, in your daily life, are you are you always acting? You know, are you seeing someone do something funny and, and copying that? Or you know, do you incorporate it? Is it is it just part of who you've been as you've grown up? You know, you know what I I I I think you know. Observations are a part of daily life. They're a part of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. people repeat jokes that they think are funny. Um, people repeat mannerisms. How many people go around town imitating uh, Christopher Walken? Because he's just funny. Mm-hmm. He's just funny. These mannerisms are funny. But uh, what I have a hard time with is people that emulate actors. Uh, you know, if some guy says, well, what would you do for your character? Well, I really studied uh, De Niro in Casino. And then maybe De Niro was studying Montgomery Clift in this, and it becomes you know a reflection of... Uh, a faker reflecting a faker reflecting a faker and it's not you know I mean there's never a root of a real person you know um, 
but uh, of course, everyday observations are important. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's what you—that's what you're bringing to the screen, real life, and you know, your 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 interpretation of a character is a collection of ideas, beliefs, thoughts, secrets, dreams, and those are things that you can pick up anywhere. You are listening to Film Courage. We are live in studio with actor Sean Patrick Flannery. You can find more on Sean by visiting seanflannery.com. Would you say you're a competitive person? I mean, this is a competitive town. It's competitive just driving down Ventura Boulevard. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have an unwillingness to lose to be in this town because it is Mm -hmm. pretty, you know, cutthroat. But, yeah, I think me being competitive is an understatement of the year. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, And probably least of which would be acting. Mm. Um, Yeah, least of which would be acting. Why so? Um... Well, because there's not one final winner. Okay. Um, you, you know, in in uh, in any other sporting event, there's one event that everybody's shooting for. In acting, there's a thousand. You know, if you don't get this, you're gonna get that, or you're gonna get the other one, or you're gonna get something else. I mean, there, there's always there's always things in this industry that you want, and like everybody says, you know, do you do you, people ask me is ludicrous as they sound? Do you still read for parts? Well, God, you know. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. read for Iron Man. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody reads for parts. The, mm-hmm. the difference is what level you're at. Now, certainly I don't read for Iron Man. I don't even meet on that because I'm a smaller actor. But you get offered the things that you don't want, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Any of the jobs that you do want, you have to beg and plead. And that includes, you know, reading for them, auditioning, screen testing. Uh, so uh, it is very competitive, but there's a number of trophies that you can strive for. In a sporting event, there's really one, you know. In a jiu-jitsu tournament, there's one medal for my weight division, and one person's going to get it. Hmm. Absolutely. That, that's what we're segueing to next is, is one of your passions outside of acting is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, who introduced you to this art form, and, and does that help your acting in any way? You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I think all competitive sports kind of parallel acting in a way, and there's something you can draw and, uh, uh, and, and, and relate to from any, any competitive sporting environment especially into acting, because it's a very, very competitive world. You have to have incredibly thick skin. you got to be able to laugh at yourself. you got to be self-deprecating. you got to be able to smile and go to sleep at night in the face of criticism and refusal. And, and it, 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 It's really a truly remarkable industry as far as seeing who can come out unscathed. It's really a test of, of, of a man to see who can go through this type of industry and not implode you know, at the end of the day. Um, jiu-jitsu, it was, I think everybody got turned on in 93 with Hoyts Gracie and UFC 1. Um, it really answered the question of, uh, you know, every single martial art that claimed to be street lethal and deadly. Well, at the end of the day, there's only one that really lived up to that, and it was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And this skinny little wiry guy completely dominated everybody of every martial art. I mean, in, in, in a quick, decisive, concise manner. It was so overwhelming that pretty much every martial artist after that trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, because all of these street lethal styles of, uh, you know, combat hapkido and uh, all of these other things that you know, mm. defense against the handshake and weird things like that, everybody gravitated to the one that really actually did hold that magic. You know, in the 70s with, with Kung Fu, everybody thought, oh my God, if you're a black belt, you can fight five guys, and they can have bazookas, and you can kill them. It's just nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. But the one that really did have that magic, where if somebody knows it and you don't, you're definitely going to lose 99% of the time, it ended up being Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, and, that, and that came out when they pitted styles against styles, and before, before anybody started cross-training, the one that answered that was BJJ, so... 
Wow. I think and, that's why everybody ended up. And drinking. that holds true to this day. That well, that's well, still the premiere. At, without question, it is. If 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 uh, if somebody gets in the, in the cage that knows Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the other person doesn't, they're mm-hmm. going to lose. Having said that, there's not an MMA fighter today that doesn't know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They all do. Every even the guy that uh, Matt Hughes is a wrestler. I mean that guy studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for 10 years now. So uh, yeah, you can call him a wrestler and say, well, he beat a BJJ guy, but really Matt's been studying Jiu-Jitsu for 10 years now. So he's he's a they're all cross-trained uh, athletes now, so you really can't you can't make that distinction anymore because everybody across the board. It's the only one that pretty much everybody does have a bit of it in in their system. BJJ. Let's go back to acting for a second. Some actors say that they love acting because they get to be someone other than themselves. I mean, what do you love about acting? Um, I love the performance aspect. I love uh going to those you know, emotional places. I love faking it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I enjoy that, the performance aspect of it. I love committing to a world that's not yours. And when people say they become this or they start channeling that, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, if your kid called crying, you'd break character immediately. So it's all bullshit. It's mm-hmm. all complete bullshit. There's no channeling this or I was so lost in my character, I forgot <laughs> bullshit. Your child calls you crying, you'll snap the fuck out of it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all faking. Some people are better fakers than others, and some people uh, really commit to to believing that they're in that world. But it's a level of belief that can easily be shattered mm-hmm. by a loved one calling in a time of crisis. So anybody that tells you, I was channeling, I was lying, this is bullshit. It's just complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that aspect of it. I love reading a script and going, wow, I'd love to I'd love to explore this guy. But it's nothing more than exploration. You're not becoming anybody. You're the mm-hmm. same guy. At the end of the day, you're going to a restaurant as Sean. You're not going to the restaurant as... Jeremy Reed and Powder. I, I don't. You don't need to call me by my character name. You know, <laughs> that's all the bullshit. You know, if 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 to deliver a performance of caliber, you have to become that person 24/7. Quite frankly, you suck. You suck. You suck at it. If it takes you training 24 hours a day and being an asshole to all of your friends in order to win a gold medal, you suck as a human being. To me, I mean, you have to be able to multitask. You have to be able to enjoy life. You have to be able to be kind to others. You have to be a responsible parent and then get a gold medal at something. Then you're like, wow, wow, mm-hmm. wow, what a great guy. But to deliver a performance, if you're an ass to everybody on set and you stink because you don't want to bathe because this guy doesn't bathe in real life, you know what? That's all easily replicatable to buy makeup. You know what I mean? It's at the end of the day, it's a quality of life thing. You know, you gotta enjoy what you're doing, and you have to make it easy and a pleasant experience for everybody around you. And there's there's some of those people that like I became my character, and I uh, it wasn't me yelling at you. It was, it was the character. It's like oh <laughs> shut up. You just need to be kneading the dome. You know, <laughs> like saying crap like that. <laughs> and, and what do you love about making movies, Sean? Uh. Realistically, um, I love everything about it. I mean, it, it's 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 a freebie. Uh, quite like I said in the beginning of the program, they pay you to do something that you really you do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably shouldn't air that because I want to continue to get paid. <laughs> you know, but uh, we love honesty. <laughs> you know, realistically, that's it. You know, they pay you to do it. Um, the, 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 they feed you whatever. They take care of you like you're a king. You're treated as royalty. You get to dance with exotic penguins. It's it's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. And at the end of the day, you have uh, a movie that you'd probably pay 12 bucks to see anyway. But you're in it. It's a it's just a neat 
it's 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 neat on too many levels to even start talking about. You know, you you give a you you, you your mom can go see you on screen. It's it's every aspect of it is is uh, it's a blessing. It's it's something that everybody chooses to do. You know. And we touched on this earlier, but I wanted to go back to it for a second. How do you prepare for your roles? I mean, we talked about kind of with acting, either have it or you don't. But do you involve other people in your preparation for roles? And maybe we should speak specifically on how you prepared for your role in Boondock Saints 2, Connor McManus. Uh, you know, you know, the the most important aspect. I mean, there's always different viewpoints. I mean, I mean, you anybody can look at a line and think it should be delivered a certain way. And maybe somebody, you give it to another pair of eyes, and they're like, oh, you know what he's talking about here? He's talking about this. And you're like, oh, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. You're absolutely right. He's talking about, that's a reference to something that happened three pages earlier. And you may may have not recognized that. So anytime that uh, that, that I, I need a second set of eyes, I uh, work with a, a fellow named Steven Anderson. He's an acting coach here in the Valley. Okay. Uh, and I got to say this, one of the only acting coaches that is not that weird kind of guru, <laughs> like, follow me down the thespian path, lovey. I shall take you to thespian greatness. You know, he's not one of those uh-huh. fruit baskets. You know, he's a real guy, um, a second set of eyes, but there's no guru weirdness. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he can look at it and say, ah, you know what he's talking about there. If there's ever a problem, let's say, I don't really, what the fuck is this line about? I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's dramatic. I don't think he's like, ah, you know what? It's about this. And he can find that little hole. And realistically, sometimes he doesn't and I do. It's a second set of eyes. But a second set of eyes that I think is 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 is, is on parallel to my eyes. You know, we, we, we think the same way. So Steven Anderson, if anybody out there needs a second set of eyes as far as the acting goes or, or coaching, he's a cat to get in contact with. Um, having said that, my research from page one to fade out, that's it. So you're not you're not using YouTube. You're not on the internet finding out little details. You, you know you, you tend to stick with the script. Yeah, I want to stick with, stick with the script. I mean, if there's anything that I need to know that relates to the script, I'll find out. But no, I don't need to go get a PhD in uh, string theory to 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 play a, a college math professor. No, I don't at all. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, but with an action role, you know, something like the Boondock Saints movies. I mean, are you getting training though in terms of handling weapons? Things, yeah, I mean, stupid, like stupid little little things like that. Of course, you know, you want to. I mean, if your character has to be proficient in the use of a bread of nine mil, you want to know how to unload that thing, load it, uh, drop a clip. You want to you want to look like it's your 500th day shooting it. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's training as far as that goes, but that's a material part of the script. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's an active part, something that, that people are going to recognize. It's the first time he did it. Or there, there, there's an economy of movement in anything. You know, in anything that's technical, there's you can tell if somebody's done it every day or somebody did it the first time. You take a, a key. You, 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 you hand somebody a key to your car. They've never been in your car. You'll see them lean over the steering column, look for that damn hole to insert that two-millimeter key in it. Mm-hmm. You in your car, you walk in, you're on the cell phone, you're looking at a hot chick across the street, talking on the cell phone about the pizza. You're not even looking. Boom! That two millimeter key goes in that two millimeter hole. You can't, you can't replicate that on screen unless it is your car. Little things like that are are huge to the untrained eye. You don't know why, but you process that as being a little inauthentic. You don't know why, but that's it. Whenever you're watching somebody and they get into their car that they supposedly had for 30 years and they lean over to look where the keyhole is. You know, you don't know why, but you're like, for whatever reason, I don't believe it. Well, I'm telling you why you don't believe it, because you just saw a guy look for where his fucking keyhole is. Yeah. And the motherfucker told you he's been p- putting it in a keyhole for 20 years. It's just bullshit. It just rings untrue. So little holes in people's story, you need to start plugging in as an actor. 
you need to know that if this is your house for 30 years, you're not going to get up to pee and look for the light switch. You're going to be wiping the sleepy out of You're not looking for it. Boom, you hit that three, that uh, half a centimeter light switch every single time. Mm-hmm. It's because you've done it for 20 years. You know, you can't, you can't learn that overnight. And, and what are some of the differences from working on a television set to working on a film set? Um, I mean, would, would you prepare differently for either role? That, and, and is there a difference of working with a TV director as opposed to a film director? Um, well, the directors aren't different because some of them go back and forth. But when they're on a TV set, they're, they're more regulated to the parameters for creativity are much more restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, especially in filmmaking, well, depending on if it's a studio film with, you know, 18 cooks in the kitchen, sometime it can be a little a little misleading. You'll get different direction from different people. But uh, television is very strict in its format. So the creative licenses is very, it's it's very narrow, very narrow comparatively speaking. Um, films and that, right, if it's an auteur, you know, the writer, director, producer is the same person, you could explore all types of different things. You know, a director could suggest that you shoot a scene completely differently two times in a row. Whereas television is never really going to be like that. Um, there's certain coverage that for a TV show they have to have. Um, for example, on a movie, a director may say, I'm covering this whole scene and it's 90 seconds and I'm going to do it in a wide shot. It may floor somebody from, you know, CSI Miami. They're like, no, you know, we need 18 close-ups. We need inserts of inserts. And mm-hmm. then when we get that insert, we need to insert that. <laughs> you know, so... It's just a completely different <laughs> technically, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And you, but you know that going in, you know the yeah. pace is something completely different with TV. But the level of efficiency is much higher on TV, you know, because in a, in a film, a lot of times the crew hasn't worked together before. If you mm-hmm. go on a show, and I just did a Criminal Minds, they they're in their fifth year. These guys are it's like an anthill, you know. Somebody reaches out to hand somebody something. That guy's not even looking, but he receive he grabs it out of their hand. Wasn't mm-hmm. even looking. It's just like man. These guys are operating at a level of efficiency unheard of in the film world, mm. you know. Whereas in the film world, it'll take a little longer, um, but they can explore a lot of different avenues. It's taken what was it, ten years to make the sequel to Boondock Saints? Yeah. How hard was that on you? I mean, would you have loved to do? I've done this film years before. Was it the right timing? Um, you know, I, I, we, we didn't make it for uh, legal reasons. We had to clear up some legal issues. So by the time, I mean, there was, there was certainly an availability to make it uh, a long time ago, but uh, we had to clear up some legal issues to be able to make the film legally. Um, so now is when it happened. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been the same script. Uh, um, chronologically, I think this works out. It's ten years later. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions uh, that were that, that came out of the first movie that are answered in this one. Um, I wouldn't change it, you know, realistically. I mean, there's always times where, you know, Troy's like, I think we're going to get to make it this year. I'd have been happy to have made it then, mm-hmm. you know, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And now all of the elements came together. I think, uh, you know, the fan base is hungry for uh, part two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody was ready. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not angry about any of it. I'm happy that it came together right now. Mm-hmm. So the right timing. Yeah, yeah. You are listening to Film Curd. We are live in studio with actor Sean Patrick Flannery. We are talking about his upcoming film, The Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day. What was it like working with Troy Duffy, the director Troy Duffy? You know, it was killer. Uh, it was it was uh, the same as the first time. 
you know, I, I imagine you guys are getting to that uh, overnight, the documentary. No, we that, that, that literally that's the only question we have, but you know, we'll let oh, you kind of take it from yeah, there. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody asks me this question because uh, you know the the documentary made him out to be some sort of weird tyrant, which is uh, it's uh, he's not. I mean, he's a great cat. Uh, I'd work with him on a Fruit Loops commercial. He knows that. He knew it after the first one. Um, there's a reason that uh, everybody came back to do the second one, including people that. You know, didn't have a real vested interest in it. You know, like like the 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 stunt people, mm-hmm. uh, the wardrobe people, all those people that if he was a tyrant, they'd be like, "Fuck this for Game of Soldiers, man! I'll do something else." You know, it's not just the people on screen; it's the people behind the screen. Everybody came back to do part two. Having said that, uh, it's easy to be labeled a tyrant because I mean, there's two different types of directors. They're the dressers, the, the the directors that uh, gather everybody around. And they're like, "Listen, everyone." <laughs> Where we're coming from, emotionally standpoint, just we're going to come from that place in the soul that emits, you know, this is like bullshit. Troy's the guy that's like, this motherfucker killed your dad. You get in there and you sort shit out, you know, and he's that guy, you know, and it can come across as a little bit harsh, you know, and if you get that on video, you're like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. look at how this guy directs, you know. Yeah. But he's he's a regular dude, man. I mean, I go to barbecues at his house. It's it was killer, you know. I I, I liked what he did with the first film. Obviously, that's why I'm here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of it, nice. and I do I do an episode of Cheers with him. You know, you know he is portrayed horribly in, in Overnight, and you know, and that's why I want I want someone that has the, that's on the inside to set the record straight. You know, yeah. So. I mean, you know, he's a straight shooting cat, a lot, lot like myself. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm the first person to say if if you're not pulling your weight, let's let's change something immediately mm-hmm. I just I don't respect people that, that, that do it otherwise you know they're like well let's you know for the for, it, for there's something called the greater good and Troy's you know subscribes to that theory as well for the greater good if this needs to be changed it needs to be changed mm-hmm. you know we have 30 days to shoot this film you know we need to we need to change something and we need to change it uh, so um, you know I, I, I'm, I'm right in line with that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean what are some of the common mistakes you see directors making with actors I mean what do they need to be aware of working with actors well I'm, I mean this is the only industry where you can get to the top tier with zero experience mm. so that's a, a wide question that that uh, requires you know a couple hours of radio time but uh, <laughs> you know you have somebody that wrote a script mm-hmm. the script may be amazing and suddenly they get an opportunity to direct uh, maybe they don't even know screen direction mm-hmm. I know this is this is one-on-one type of stuff mm-hmm. you don't know screen direction you don't know how to make it look like somebody's talking to somebody across the table and then you cut back and they're looking the other direction. Something as basic and fundamental as that, this person is helming a mm-hmm. movie and they don't even know that. Uh, so a lot. So sometimes you'll have something like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody doesn't have uh, – somebody creatively can put pen to paper and tell a story, but they have no communicative skills whatsoever. They have no idea how to convey what they really want to somebody else. You know. So you have those problems as well as – having said that, you have a guy like Troy. That that's the first thing that he's ever directed, but or Quentin Tarantino, Troy and Quentin Tarantino, like they, they love movies and they know it so well. Their first time on set, you're like, shit, this is the first time you've done this. Wow, you know, you this this is like your fifteenth movie. It would appear to be, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas other directors, you know, there, there's no there's no college to go to, you know, and people will put you helming a major feature film for reasons other than directorial talent, which it's the only industry I know it to be like that. You know, nobody's gonna go do heart surgery because you know you drew a nice heart. Mm-hmm. Fuck, open me up. You know, slice the aorta. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody'll do that. You know, 
Very true. You know, and you could even say with you know with some actors, they just have a certain look and they're thrusted in certain roles and they don't have the acting. Chops. Yeah, and I've seen films like that. You're like, man, this kid is great looking, man. Yeah. If there was one homosexual molecule in my being, <laughs> I would blow that cat. <laughs> but then the guy can't string a line together. You know what I mean? You're like, or, 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 I could list some actresses too mm-hmm. that are runway models, but oh God, just shut up. You know, <laughs> keep the beat closed. You know. And, and what are you looking for in your acting career? right now are, are you satisfied yeah you know I mean I've I've I haven't had to, to work in 20 years you know I haven't had to get a real job what I consider work is something that you wouldn't do unless somebody paid you to do that's work you know mm-hmm. by definition I haven't had to work in 20 years um, I've retained anonymity I've I've been given the ability to pursue other uh, passions like you know uh, martial arts jujitsu stuff like that so I mean I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world you know um, I seem to have come through the industry relatively unscathed. I mean, I, I don't, I don't go to therapy. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not uh, uh, a Scientologist. I'm not. I, I don't have any uh, uh, fruitcake, uh, you know, uh, Twizzlers in my basket. Uh, I, I, I seem to, I seem to be, you know, a regular guy after all of this. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have been employed in this business for this long. Uh, you know, certainly there, there's films that I pray to God no one will ever see. You know, and then films that nobody sees that you're like, man, why didn't anybody see this? It was really good. You know, I have that career. I think everybody does. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm content. If someone's going to succeed in this business, what do they need to be aware of, good and bad? Uh, I think uh, if somebody's going to succeed, first and foremost, they have to properly assess whether or not they have the talent to succeed. Um, same thing you go into a grocery store. If you're going to buy $100 of groceries, you got to make sure you got a $100 bill. That's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to succeed in this, they have to know that they're going to be rejected a thousand times. It's just like music. You can take your favorite song in the globe. Somebody's going to say it sucks ass through a silly straw. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all subjective. There's no objectivity in this industry at all. So you have to know that if you write uh, Hey Jude, and you're Paul McCartney, you can show that to somebody, and in theory, somebody's going to go, oh, my God, this shit's never going get, to get get produced as a record. Uh, one of my favorite books, A Confederacy of Dunces, uh, written by John Kennedy Toole, tried to get that published years and years and years, and everybody laughed at him and said it was a pile of garbage, an absolute pile of garbage, one of my favorite books. Um, he committed suicide. Uh, his mother finally got it published on the bestseller list for I don't know how many years. It's widely regarded as one of the, the best literary works uh, ever. Uh, and and that just that, that's a story that keeps me going and should keep everybody going. Just because some executive that's never done anything in this industry, never produced, never written, never directed, never done anything, tells you your project doesn't warrant merit, if you believe it does, then continue. Because the viewpoints in this industry are as wide as the alphabet. They truly are. You have people that greenlight things that you see it, you're like, who the fuck gave $5 million to that guy to make a movie. Mm-hmm. And somebody did. Somebody read that pile of bile and said, oh, yeah, man, yeah. People are going to line up to see this. Truly. And you're, you're, it's mind-boggling. And then you see something and you realize, wow, that took 10 years to make? I can't even believe it. That's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. you know. So don't get discouraged by that because nine times out of 10, the people that are making decisions, <laughs> they have less talent than you. That's great. Interesting. Sean, it's been it's been wonderful having you in here stu- in studio with us. This gone has been a fast. lot of fun. It's gone yeah. by really fast. We're, we're at a point we want to make sure people are aware of 
when they can see Boondock Saints 2. Uh, okay, so check it out, guys. Uh, Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day comes out valent- uh, Valentine's. Well, I'm on crack tonight. Um, <laughs> actually, I am on crack tonight because it's not tonight. It's today. It's 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, it comes out Halloween night. Uh, the oh, premiere cool. is going to be the 28th at the Arclight right here in Hollywood, which awesome. I'm super excited about because uh, that's the theater that me and my girlfriend, we only go to movies there because it's the theater where you can book your own seats. So you can like lock down pole position and get there two two minutes before screen time and your seat's still ready and <laughs> rocking waiting for you. So it's it literally it's the best theater in L.A. The Arclight, it's right on uh, Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. um, the, by the Cinerama Dome, and uh, premiere is going to be there the 28th, which is Wednesday. It opens uh, in in limited theaters in select cities on Halloween, on and Halloween. then a couple weeks after that it uh, expands a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger. You know, depending on if people like it. You know, the same way it's a normal platform release. So if people dig the movie, then it'll go wider. Uh, and continue to do such until uh, hopefully everybody gets a chance to see it. But uh, I- I'm super excited about the film. I think if you like the first one, the second one's going to give you a boner. Huge. It's just it's it, people are going to love this. And the the equivalent, if you're a woman, I apologize. That sounded chauvinistic. Okay. <laughs> nice visual there. We want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, for more on Sean, please check out Sean Flannery, and that's Flannery with one N dot com, and you can also check out his IMDb page. David and I thank you for your continued support with our show. We appreciate your emails and tweets. Please join us again